I'm going to ask if you guys would stand and give my dear friend Sereka Hulagala a giant new life welcome this morning. Most of you guys know Sereka, but if you have not met him, I wanted to be like him, so I got his haircut. Stay standing. We're going to pray. Uh, for those of you that haven't met Sereka, he's our national leader uh, from the UK. And we've been friends for many years now. And if pre-COVID took a team for five years to help run a national youth camp. And the fruit of that has been amazing. And um, we get to have them here periodically. And he's just become part of our New Life family. So would you guys just stretch your hands towards my dear brother uh, and his wife, Krishani, too. Um, Papa, we love you, and we ask for a precious move of your spirit this morning. God, as we celebrate missions, your heart is that every human being on earth would know of your love, of your goodness and your kindness. Papa, I thank you so much for a couple that's willing to lay their life down, to go wherever, to do whatever it takes, and to actually enjoy it. Lord, would you open our ears to hear the word you've placed in Sereka's heart for us today. Lord, we bless them and we love them in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you give them one giant hand, guys? Thank you. By the way, if you guys will do me a favor, the word for you card, if you will grab one of these and write Sereka's name, if you don't know how to spell it, it's sure. S-U-R-E. This is how I memorized. And then Ka, K-A-H-A. That's how I memorized your name. How do you pronounce that? Just say sure, Ka. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Sereka. And the last name, you don't even have to write it down, okay? But seriously, during service, if you guys would be, as you listen, be asking Holy Spirit, is there a verse? Is there a picture or a thought? Is there something that God would place in your heart to write down for Sereka and, and Krishani about this season of their life, the next season of their life? Whatever it is, just prayerfully ask the Lord to speak to you during this time. Amen? Amen. Greetings, New Life. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Oh, what a joy for us to be with you here this morning or this afternoon. We've just gone over 12, so this afternoon. But, you know, what a, what a, what a great topic for today. Missions. You know, that's what we have been called into. You know, each one of us, we have been called as missionaries. You know, God's call is over each one of us. How, how, how many of us know that? God's called us. And, you know, we can be a local missionary. You know, we can be a missionary who goes on short-term visits, but we can also, you know, some of us may be called to be, you know, living a life of a missionary in, in some, you know, in some place else. And, you know, that is our call. When you look at the Book of Acts, you know, mission started on the day of Pentecost. You know, the apostles, they preached, Peter preached, and 3,000 get saved. And that 3,000... Some were from Jerusalem, but there were many others from uh, many cities in the Roman and Greek world. 
And so what do they do? They take that message. They go and influence. They go and change those cities. And then we see that, you know, the guys get comfortable in Jerusalem. And after nine years, God allows persecution. How many of us love persecution? <laughs> How many of us are waiting for persecution? <laughs> but see, what, what did persecution do? It created missionaries. It created missionaries who went into different cities. And what did they do? If you read the book of Acts, they preached the gospel, they healed the sick, they cast out demons, and they planted churches. And God is calling us today to be a missionary. And where does it start? It starts at my doorstep. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing, that we don't all go into Africa or Asia or some remote place. Our mission field is right at our doorstep. Because the world is getting so small that God is bringing our mission field to where we are. We, and we just need to open our eyes and see that's our mission field. You know, Krishan and I, we are missionaries. Um, God called us out of Sri Lanka 25, 26 years ago. And the Lord took us as missionaries to England. And you'll be like, that doesn't fit my kind of picture of what a missionary is. But that's what God does. See, there's a prophetic word over the UK. And that word says that God was faithful, or God is faithful, to bringing back the fruit of what the UK had done over the past seasons in taking the gospel to nations. And Krishna and I are part of that prophetic word of being brought back into the nation to revive the nation. And there, there are many from Africa, many from Asia, uh, you know, from South America who are coming back and to bring revival back into the UK so that the UK gets saved. Yeah. Hallelujah. But, you know, and so therefore, you know, being a missionary is so exciting because it gives you such an opportunity of taking God's gospel. And, you know, for us, yeah, you know, you know we, we travel into the nations. And uh, Zama was saying that he wants to be my, uh, he wants to go in my, uh, my luggage for <laughs> my next trip. <laughs> but, you know, many of us may not be called to go into nations. But we can still partner. We can still be a part of what God is doing. You know, New Life, you sent a team of, I think, about 20 on average every year for five years as a missions team to the UK. And, why, and how did that happen? Because you faithfully gave. You faithfully gave, and today we are reaping the fruit of that, of seeing a youth movement growing rapidly. And, I, and firstly, I want to say thank you to you as a church for investing thousands of dollars into the UK. Come on, Krishani. <laughs> but here's the thing. If you can't go, someone else will. But you can still go with them. Do you know how? Through your dollars. Your dollars can travel on your behalf. And I would encourage you today, if you want to make an impact in the nations of the world, because God's asked us to do that, give. 
don't just give something out of your comfort, but give something that, you will, that will make you uncomfortable. Now, I can say that because I'm the guest speaker. <laughs> but honestly, it's, it's where I support the gospel wherever God is calling you as a church to invest. For both of us, we're stepping into a new season of going more into the nations, going more into nations, going more to support leaders. But each one of us is called to be a missionary. And, you know, today, I believe that is the part of God's message, that we have to be an intentional missionary. It just suddenly doesn't happen. An intentional missionary. And, 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 you know, let's not wait for someone else. Let's not wait for someone, you know, don't we wait for someone else to pray or to do something? Not you guys, okay. <laughs> See, the church has got caught in this, in this trap of waiting. But God's saying, come on, church, rise up, stand up, let's go. You know, we sang that song, you know, that, that this will be a house of miracles, right? Those miracles don't just drop from heaven. Those miracles happen because someone will lay hands and pray over somebody. Because here's, the, here's, the, here's God's principle. He will use a human being. He will use you. He will use me to bring those miracles into someone else's life. And we are waiting. I'm waiting on the Lord. No, God said, I have poured out my spirit upon you. So therefore, go because you have the power to heal the sick, cast out demons, even raise the dead. Someone say hallelujah for that. See, even, the, okay, I'm, I'm going to go down and then go into the message, but even raising the dead, we are waiting for someone else. We are waiting for this anointed, holy man of God. Am I right? But how about you? How about you? If you reach out, if you touch someone who's different to you, someone from another nation, you have immediately become that missionary who is sharing God's love. So this morning, I want to share with you on being an intentional missionary. Being an intentional missionary. And that's for all of us. It's not just a few of us. So would you turn with me to the Gospel of John chapter 4? A story that I love very much. The story of the Samaritan woman. And reading from verse 3, it said that he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. Notice the... Notice the Notice the words there. He, you know, he, he, Jesus leaves Judea. So you know, he's going from, literally from the south, he's going up north to uh, the Galilean region. And he says that he had to pass through Samaria. Some of your translations may say that he needed to go through Samaria. If it's a New King James, you will see that it says he needed. What does that tell us? There was such a compulsion that there was no other option for Jesus. The average Jew would have avoided this city. 
They would have tried to avoid Samaritan country. They would have tried to avoid meeting Samaritans on the road. Because Jews, as we read in the scripture here, Jews and Samaritans did not have dealings. There was tension between them. Historians say that one year, the Samaritans had brought dead bones and spread them across in the temple. And they desecrated the temple. And therefore, the Jews could not celebrate Passover one year. Imagine what that would have done to the tensions. So here's my first point. Jesus was intentional in going to Samaria. He was intentional. He, it, he didn't, it did not just happen by accident. And we have to be intentional to cross over from my culture to another culture. If I am to be a missionary, if I am to be a Jew to the Jews, a Gentile to the Gentiles, or Greek to the Greeks, or an American to the Americans, I need to make an intentional choice to cross over this line that says, this is my safety line. This is my world. I must be willing to step over. I must be willing to make myself vulnerable. I must be willing to learn through the relationships of a new culture. Because let's, let's, be, let's be real. All of us, we would love to be comfortable in our own little zone. And so, you know, let someone else just reach out to those other people. But we need to cross over. You know, how about my prejudices? How about my, my, my differences? You know, when we came to England, we needed to learn how to cross over from a Sri Lankan culture. We needed to learn how to cross over from Sri Lankan fiery food to British food. <laughs> Here's a joke. You know, one of the pastors, he came to visit us. And he said, hey, you know what? I would love to experience Sri Lankan food. So we warned him. He said, look, we love spice. He said, oh, yeah, you know, I, I love Mexican food. You know, you know I, I, I love the, the spicy food. So don't hold back. <laughs> would you believe? Now, it's 26 years since then. Their son was so traumatized he still remembers us by the family that has crazy spicy food. <laughs> you learn. You learn. <laughs> but we have to be willing, be intentional to cross over and to step over that line that says, this is my comfort. But now, I want to reach out to someone else. See, if we don't deal with the things that separate us from people, we will never give an opportunity for someone to know the love of Jesus. For someone who's different. You know, whether it be language, whether it be the way they dress, whether it be the color of their skin, we will never give someone that opportunity if we don't deal with those things that pull us back. 
See, because if, see, when you, be, when you, you know, we are called missionaries, not when you become, we are called missionaries. If we don't deal with the things that separate us, that prevent us, it really becomes about us and not them. It really becomes about my preferences and not reaching out to someone else. See, Jesus was intentional. Him going there was not about him. It was about a woman who was broken, a woman who needed Jesus. And sometimes we have to, not sometimes, most of the time, we have to deal with the issues that stop us from crossing over and moving away from, my, from me, myself, and I. See, when someone is different, what do we do? When someone behaves differently, what do we do? Anyone? We criticize. Don't we judge? Don't we build walls between us? Don't we despise people sometimes? Oh, how could they do that? Or how can they, you know, come to our country or, you know, whatever? You, do you know the word despise? You know, Paul uses this word because the church, the church in Rome was despising one another simply because someone preferred the Sunday worship or said Sunday is more important than the rest of the week. Simply because someone ate specific food and some did not eat. And they were despising each other. And the word despise literally means bringing someone to the value of zero. <laughs> and we have to deal with, with, with uh, some of that. You know, Carlos Anacondia, you know, famous revivalist in South America, he said, if you want to reach out to a group of people, if you want to see your city saved, he said, would you be willing to weep for your city? Would you be willing to weep for your city? And I believe Jesus was ready to weep for that woman because he saw where she was at. See, someone who's different to me is made in the image and likeness of God. Someone who's different to me, Jesus died for them. And we need to remind ourselves of that. I remember once, you know, this is in London, someone, someone walked up to me uh, because there was tension in our country between two ethnic groups, and I belong to one, and this guy was from the other. He walks up to me and says, what are you going to do to me? Are you going to kill me as well? And he was like right in my face. And I just looked at him and said, you know what? I love you because Jesus loves you. And I smiled at him. And he was like full of anger. And his, he did not know how to respond to that. He was expecting me to lash out at him. But because I said, I love you, and with the love of Jesus, he said, mm, okay. And he almost like he quickly exited. <laughs> See, that's what love does. It breaks those barriers. You know, do we fear the unknown? Do we fear the unknown? 
You know, so often, you know, don't we give excuses like, oh, but they may not understand what I'm talking. We kind of make language a barrier. I have a friend in Kazakhstan, because like, you know, we've traveled about five years continuously into Kazakhstan. And once I, you know, I, I, zoomed, I um, zoomed him and I said, okay, you know, we are coming on such and such date. Now, my friend does not speak English. And so I'm like trying to kind of say, I'm coming like on the 5th of May. And he's like, what? And we have a joke like, you know, when we don't understand each other, that we will speak in tongues. <laughs> and so we just speak, you know, we began to speak in tongues. But I then called a friend of mine, who's a mutual friend of ours, and I said, look, I don't think he understood that we are, com- we are, bringing- we are coming over to Kazakhstan. He said, no, 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 he called me soon after your call, and he gave me all the details. <laughs> See, we may not understand someone else, but they understand the language of love. And when you truly want to love someone with the love of Jesus, they will understand you. When you want to bring his kingdom to them, they will understand you. You know, I remember we were in uh, Kenya once, and right at the end of the, our mission trip, the pastor you know, stood up and he said, you know, he just thanked us, and he said, we don't have money to give you as a gift. But he said, we want to give something much more valuable. And he looked at us and he said, and he got his whole congregation to do this. He said, we want to give you our hearts. To say, take our love with you. And that just broke my heart. Because that's what missions does. You know, we go to serve, we go to bless, we come being blessed. We come being changed. Even last week, I was, up, I was in Nigeria. I came back full of faith. I came back, you know, with God doing something deep in me. Because there's so much that they can teach us. They may need the support, etc., etc. But deep down here, we get blessed. We are changed because we see a life of faith that we will not see anywhere else. You know, in Kazakhstan, the services sometimes go on for about six hours. <laughs> Anyone going to stay after, you know, tonight? You know, are you going to stay until the evening? <laughs> six hours. And I asked the pastor, why don't people leave? And this is what he said. He said, for us to meet together is precious. Because we have so much of persecution. We treasure the time God has given us to worship him together. And therefore, for us, time is of no essence. And we will worship until we feel, yeah, let's go home. You know, okay, you know, this happened last week. So I go to Nigeria, and I'm at immigration. 
Now, before going, I've, I've watched a couple of YouTube videos. They didn't help me at all. <laughs> you know, uh, that people get harassed or, you know, just corruption, all that. So as I walk up to the immigration officer, she looks at my papers and she says, Oh, you're a pastor. And I thought, uh-oh. She said, can you pray for me? They said, never happened to me. So I said, okay, I will pray for you. So I thought, you know, okay, I'll pray for you. You know, good intentions, go, you know, pray for her maybe tomorrow morning. She said, no, I want you to pray now for me. She said, I have had a bad day, so I need the prayers of God. And so here I am at the immigration counter. There's a queue behind me. I'm praying over this lady, and she's like, oh, come, Lord Jesus. <laughs> See, no, come on, does, that does not happen in the UK. That does not happen in America, right? How blessed I was to even experience that. <laughs> but how intentional are we? Because when we carry the heart of Jesus, as I said earlier, our only intention is to love and see his kingdom come. So Jesus was intentional. And we need to ask ourselves, am I that intentional? Because for Jesus, there was no other option other than Samaria. Do you have options? Or are you intentional? in reaching out to your neighbor or someone that you know, that you see even down your street, that you have never spoken. And you know the greatest connection that you can have is food. Seriously, food. You know, you're going to have food even in heaven, so. <laughs> but food draws us together. Food draws us together. You know, use food. You know, we had, we had, um, we had a, you know, during the Syrian war, there were families that came over to the UK, and our city, they gave families to pastors and said, you guys adopt them. This was done by the government, by the way. And so, you know, we had a Syrian family who didn't speak proper English, but yet it was the food that brought us together that connected us, that we were able to share the love of Jesus with them. So let's quickly go on. The second thing we see is that Jesus was intentional to bring value. Because in verse 7, and it says, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus says to her, give me a drink. And interesting, he had sent his disciples away into the city saying, you go, you know, get some food. See, Jesus literally sent off the obstacle in meeting this lady. Because if the guys were there, guess what? Peter would have said, Lord, how dare you talk to this woman? She's a Samaritan. And she would never have come near them because she would have been fearful. And this See what Jesus does, you know, what Jesus does here blew, basically blows her mind. He did something very simple that we all can do. What does he do? 
he says, give me some water. How hard is that? Give me some water. See, Jesus doesn't go kind of gung-ho and say, I have, you know, I am the Messiah. I have the answer for you. You're living a sinful life. You need salvation. He doesn't do any of that. But he asks her for some water. And she immediately, she's like, how come you are a Jew asking me, a Samaritan, for that water? Because Jews would never eat off the same plate. They would never drink the same cup that a Samaritan would give them. Because that cup is unclean. And here's what Jesus tells her. You are valued. You are worth it. I trust you. And I want what you have to give me. Because I value you. How amazing. How amazing that Jesus establishes value over this lady. See, there were so many things that were in opposition. She was a Samaritan. She was a woman alone at 12 in the afternoon. Why did she come at 12? You know, in the Middle East, you go to get water right early in the morning. She comes at 12 because she knows no other woman will be there. She knows that the gossip mongers are not going to be there. She knows that the very culture that uh, uh, would criticize her and judge her, they're not going to be there. But she did not know that someone was going to be there who was going to bring her freedom. And he says, you're valuable, you're important enough to give me water. See, people need love. People need value. And we are there to serve them primarily that love and that value so that their hearts begin to open. Jesus spoke about the gift of God. See, before almost bringing that gift of God, he brings an essence of what she has been missing for so many years in her life, maybe from childhood. See, no one wants to marry five times. Why did she do that? Because she was broken. Because she, was, she didn't know anything else. She was looking for true love. She was looking for true worth and value. And Jesus knew exactly that's what she wanted. And I believe that, you know, even as a church, even as the church, we, that needs to begin inside to flow outside. God's love has to flow inside, you know. And, you know, please, you know, don't get me wrong. You know, it's great to come together to worship and do all that. But how often do we give value to somebody? What, when was the last time we valued somebody here and said, hey, you know what? I value you. You're precious. You know, I'm going to... When we sometimes stay at um, Christie's place, Robert and Christie's, you know, in the morning, you know, I come to get my coffee and there's a little note. There's a little note not to say the coffee's in the fridge or whatever, no. <laughs> but there's a note that tells us how precious we are in the sight of God. 
And that means a lot. That means a lot. It doesn't take a lot to bring value to somebody. It doesn't take a lot. I think Craig was saying, you know, a smile, a handshake. And, you know, we've, we've taken those little pieces of paper and we've, we've taken it back home and those are there. You know, for service, you know, many of, many of them gave us those papers. We're going to take them back because they, they encourage us. And if, if, we, if we, when we build a culture of valuing one another, when we build a culture of loving one another, that's why Jesus said, by the way you love one another, people will know that you're my disciples. It's not by the way we sing. It's not by the, by the amazing, you know, theological debates we can have. But simply, even a child can understand, by the way we love one another. And God's calling us as missionaries to love people who are different. To love people who may not dress like me. Who may not believe like me. Because the world has so much of things to separate us. And I know, you know in the States, even when elections come close, the church divides. And my question is why? If we are truly kingdom people, why should we choose division against valuing one another? You know, we have a saying that you love a nation because you love the people. You know, we, we go into many nations. And it's not because, the, because, you know, there are nice facilities in a nation, or, you know, but it's because of the heart of the people. You know, we've, we've been loving going to Kazakhstan because of the heart of the people. Sometimes the facilities are so remote. <laughs> there was once where... I was driven like 1,500 kilometers over two days. And I'm in the back of a truck. <laughs> and so, you know, we kind of knock on a door and kind of we ask people, hey, can you make some food for us? Because there are no hotels or nothing. So, that, you know, we kind of negotiate. Then it's like, oh, where's the restroom? Ah, you just can go outside and, you know, it's anywhere. So I came, I came back and told Krishani, she's like, oh gosh, I pray that <laughs> things will have changed. But see, here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. Those are secondary. Because what's, what's, what is priority? The heart of the people. The heart of the people. Because love is what's going to take you back. Love is what's going to Encourage you to give, to change a life, to impact, uh, you know, villages. And, you know, we have to embrace God's value system. If we are truly born again Christians following the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to embrace God's value system. Not what, not what the world out there tells us. And you know what God's value system is? You are valued. You are loved. Therefore, I will serve out of that valuing and loving. I don't have to earn my value. 
I don't have to earn his love because he loves me, period. I am valued because Jesus paid for my life with his life. That is my value. So I can't actually add anything else to my value because what's more valuable than the life of Christ? Nothing. Nothing. But how often do we get trapped trying to add some value which ends us up being manipulated. Anyone knows what I'm talking about? See, the world says, you better perform for me. You better live the way I want you to live. Then I will value you. That's what happened to this lady. Why was she condemned? Why, why did she feel condemned? Because her society told her her lifestyle is not acceptable. They didn't try to help her but they just stood there and judged her and criticized her and condemned her. See, the world system, that's, that, that's the world system. Or the world system says, well, you know, I have this, 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 so there's a pride in me. I have all the money in the world, so, you know, so I'm better than everyone else. So I'm flying into many nations, so I'm better than all of you. <laughs> exactly. But isn't that what the world tells us? And then what happens is that the world tells you, if you, you know, like, like this lady, if you live this way, we will accept you, otherwise we will shame you. And how many of you have got shamed sometimes by friends because you've not done, you've not done what they expected you to do. Or you don't live according to their standard because your standard is higher. You live a kingdom standard. And, and, you know, and then the world judges us. So... Jesus was intentional in valuing this lady. And how intentional are we to value those around us? And I believe it begins in the church. It begins with me. Because that's how then I will treat everyone else. Very quickly, and I'll close with this. And the third one is Jesus was inten intentional to set her free. We can value someone, but they can still be in that mess if we don't help them to come into freedom. And the heart of Jesus is about freedom. And that's why she came at noon, because she was bound. But how many of us really weep for people that we see who are bound? Remember the, 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 the parable of the, uh, the Good Samaritan? The religious leaders walked past someone who had such a need, who was beaten up. But it was a Samaritan, interestingly, who stopped, who ministered, who paid some money. To restore. And Jesus said, that's our neighbor. That's the way we love our neighbor. See, God wants freedom for all of us. And it was interesting that because Jesus valued her, because he was not, you know, he didn't force himself on her in that sense, his value and love over her opened the doorway for salvation. And she trusted him with whatever he said from there on. Because she saw this man is different.
She saw he has me. Or let me put it this way. His intentions were good about me. He's caring about me. Maybe she has never seen that even in a man. Maybe men abused her. But she saw Jesus so concerned that she was open to. You know, when he said, you know, bring your husband. And she said, I don't have a husband. And, you know, do you see her giving excuses? Or do you see her being defensive to what he's saying? You don't. Why is that? Because she knew she was valued. And that helped salvation to come to her. Because she trusted him. Because she knew he had her best in mind. When people see that we have their best in mind, you have an open door to the gospel. You have an open door to take the love of Jesus to somebody. So often... And this is sad to say, sometimes you know, people don't want to even know about the church because the church has been almost condemning and judging. But God's calling his church in this season to be different, to, be, to radically love, to radically value those around us. That, that, that the church will truly be seen as the church that Jesus intended it to be. See, when we don't, when we begin to accuse, even, you know, Paul, you know, I, I would encourage you to read Romans 13, 14, 15. You know, there's so much of practical ways of loving one another inside the church. Because that's what we take outside. And, you know, when we love that spirit of accusation, you know, who's the, who's the, um, the father of accusation? Satan. You know, he was accusing the believers before the throne of God. When we give him that room, we say, you have all the right to be in there. But when we start valuing and loving each other and restoring each other for the mistake, you know, someone can have mistakes, can't man? someone can have weaknesses, but when we start restoring them, Satan has no, no part in it. <laughs> Because he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And sadly, and I'm being very honest, sadly, the church has been using this little part here in the middle of our face to, to destroy even lives of others just by words. And I believe there has to be such a shift. Okay, I better get back to the topic and conclude. You know, Paul says, oh, no one, anything other than to love. And, you know, recently the Lord asked me a question while I was in prayer. He said, are you love to people? I'm like, yeah, Lord, I love people. He said, no, are you love to people? Just think about that. You know, First John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. It talks about God is love. It talks about that God has love. I know God loves us, but God has love. In other words, the resource for us to love somebody comes from God. 
his love. When his love is in us, we become love to people even before we start loving them. So that even before you start loving them, they see God's love in, 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 in you. You know, if I have been created in the image and likeness of God, and if Jesus is in me by his spirit, if God is love, guess what I have to be? Love. And I was kind of thrown back with that, that, that principle. But that's the truth. You can't give me water if you don't have water. So if you don't have love, you cannot love someone else. And I'm talking about the agape love of God. And that's the again, that's a beautiful thing that God has given us this gift of agape love. The gift of agape love that the world does not have. The world, because only those who know God will have the gift of agape love. And the church knows the agape love of God and the church has that gift to love the world like they've never loved it before. And for us, even as, you know, our, our, our theme is on, you know, being a missionary. Oops. Being intentional. But you bring freedom to people when you love them. Not when you condemn them. Did you hear what I said? You bring freedom to people when you love them, not when you condemn them. And people will say, I want to know your God. So let's just, you know, just go before the Lord. You know, I love the Holy Spirit even. Speak to you personally even at these moments. Even as Mike is just playing and, you know. What did you hear the Lord speak to you this morning? And let's be honest, you know, sometimes we may have been criticizing people, may have, may have been even judging even those, of, those who are different to us. And maybe it's saying, Lord, forgive me. <sighs> Father, forgive me because you love them. And whom am I to criticize, to condemn or to judge? But Lord, would you make me that vessel that reaches out, that shows them the gift of agape love. God, I may not even know their language, but I know your language. I know the gift you have given me. Oh. So, Father, would you even change my heart? Father, would you begin to change my heart? Father, would you begin to heal my heart? Father, would you begin to move upon my heart even for those that I see in my city who are different? 
God, would you move among, in my heart to even show me nations? As you have blessed me, that I can bless even nations. Just allow the Holy Spirit to just minister to you.